You're listening to the So What Podcast. Do you agree, disagree, or are unsure about the following statement? Theological creeds are more harmful than helpful for the local church. Um, help. They are helpful. Disagree. 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 I strongly disagree with that. I think that creeds and confessions can be really helpful to kind of define the boundaries of orthodoxy and help us uh, or keep us from repeating the mistakes of the past. Welcome to the So What Podcast, where we discuss theological and philosophical issues to ask that obvious question, so what? I'm your host, Kyle Bashirs, and I'm joined by our cast of contributors, Dave Kakish, Matt O'Reilly, and Brad Mills. Well, we'd like to start off by thanking you for listening to So What Podcast and for sharing it with your friends. If you enjoy the show, please help our podcast grow by rating and reviewing it in iTunes and now available on SoundCloud. You can find out more information about the show and its contributors at sowitpodcast.com. Questions about this and any future episodes can be submitted by emailing hello at sowitpodcast.com. You can keep up with the latest news by following us on Twitter at sowit underscore podcast. Well, today we're doing something a little bit different to bring you a special episode during this series on creeds and confessions. Recently, I attended the 2015 Conference of the Evangelical Theological Society held in Atlanta, Georgia, where great minds from across the evangelical spectrum come to present new ideas, debate old ones, and fellowship among scholars. Now, naturally, this type of event brings together people from a wide spectrum of backgrounds, anywhere from pastors to professors, students to seminarians, and congregants of all different stripes. During the conference, I took the opportunity to poll some folks on what they believe about creeds and confessions. And today, we'd like to play back some of those responses and talk about the results, that being myself, Dave, and Matt. What we found was very interesting. Most people agreed that creeds were important, especially the Apostles' Creed, which is what we are discussing line by line here on the show. And yet, as important as they believed the creed to be, and this includes myself, most people could not recite the creed when asked. Why is that? And should evangelical leaders be proactive in promoting the memorization of this creed in their churches? Well, we started the poll by asking a simple question. Does your church, organization, or denomination hold to a confession? Here were the results. Do you belong to a denomination, organization, or church that holds to a confession? Uh, yes. 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 I do. My church holds to the Apostles' Creed and the Nicene Creeds. I, no, I don't. No. No. Do you belong to a denomination, organization, or church that holds to a confession? Well, my church, we have a statement of faith, but I don't think that we hold to like a confession like the Westminster Confession. Uh, not per se, no. Yes. Um, 
Well, yes, uh, the Baptist faith message. That would be a confession. Yes, I do. No. So, pretty much split down the middle, right? Uh, officially, the number came back. 47% said no, and 53% of those polled said yes. It's almost kind of a half and half. Thoughts on that? I, my first thought for those who say no is simply, it, you know, is there such a thing as a church that doesn't have a confession of faith? Hmm. You know, thinking of the church as the gathering of the faithful, where the word is truly preached and the sacraments are practiced, administered properly. Um, that idea of a gathering of the faithful seems to suggest that there's some objective faith that mm -hmm. defines who those folks are. Mm -hmm. um, so if you're a non-creedal church or a church that doesn't have a defined faith or a defined confession, you know, is it a church in the Protestant sense at all? Hmm. Uh, so one thing we, we talked about with Dr. Hagen a long time ago was about um, non-creedal churches. And e even when you make an expression, no creed but Christ. Right. That's a creed. That's a creed. That, that is actually a, a formulation of doctrine. Yeah. I hate to be semantic, Sally, but the question was, do you, do you belong to a denomination organization or church that holds to a confession? Mm -hmm. And you didn't ask about creeds. Right. Now, someone answered, I hold to the Apostle and Nicene yeah. Creed, but there's a distinction, and between we talked about this, between and creeds and confessions. Yeah. What is that? Remind us of it. So a creed is a basic Christian belief that is uh, what we would say the basic litmus test of you know biblical orthodoxy, whereas a confession is more specific theological formulation that has uh, denominational distinctives. Yeah. Mm -hmm. um, so the Westminster Confession of Faith is a statement of beliefs, particularly for Presbyterians, that spells out in pretty great detail uh, their doctrine, uh, whereas Apostles' Creed, as we're going through, is basic fundamental creedal statements about who God is mm -hmm. and the persons sure. of the Trinity. And so it was interesting to hear some people answer like, uh, we have a statement of faith, or yes, we hold to these creeds. I'm really curious about the guy that says not per se. <laughs> what per se do they hold? <laughs> so let's listen to the second one. Do you agree, disagree, or are unsure about the following statement? Theological creeds are more harmful than helpful for the local church. Um, help. They are helpful. Disagree. 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 Theological creeds are more harmful than helpful for the local church. Unsure. Oh, I definitely disagree. I wouldn't agree with that, no. I think they're more helpful than harmful. Disagree. I strongly disagree with that. I think that creeds and confessions can be really helpful to kind of define the boundaries of orthodoxy and help us uh, or keep us from repeating the mistakes of the past. So most people then, <clears throat> so that, that came out to be 83% disagreed with that statement. They, they typically believed that theological creeds are helpful. They're not harmful to the church. They're something that, that we should... Uh, embrace. Yeah, I've often said that when we argue some, about something as, you know, uncomfortable as it may be to disagree with someone about an issue, uh, what we're agreeing on is that the issue is worth debating. Mm -hmm. uh, something that we don't have any contention over uh, means that it has very little to no significance on our everyday lives. So the fact that we do have contention about theological issues is a good thing. And, uh, to address the issue, I'll quote the 
venerable G.K. Chesterton. Uh, he said, creeds must disagree. It is the whole fun of the thing. If I think the universe is triangular and you think it is square, there cannot be room for two universes. We may argue politely. We may argue humanely. We may argue with great mutual benefit. But obviously, we must argue modern toleration is really a tyranny. It's a tyranny because it is a silence. To say that I must not deny my opponent's faith is to say that I must not discuss it. It is absurd to have a discussion on comparative religions if you don't compare them. Right, yeah. So a couple things sort of on that as well, because what's the, for those who think they're harmful, harmful in what sense? And, and that, was, uh, that was 6% yeah. of the Yeah, so it's a small so group. Very small minority. But still, mm-hmm. you know. I'd very be, be very interested to know why they think they're harmful, and it may be, so, you know, kind of the like, like you mentioned the no creed, but the Bible, you know, mm-hmm. it creates sort of a in, sort of putting something over the top of Scripture instead of letting Scripture speak for itself, something like that. Um, but but so yeah, so why are they harmful at all? Uh, and the other thing is, just in terms of my local church leadership, one of the ways I explain the significance of the creed because in our fellowship. In, in one of our services, anyway, we say the Apostles' Creed every week as a congregation. And occasionally I'll take it upon myself to create a little bit of instruction why we do that, why it's important. Um, and one of the reasons is because it creates continuity for us with the church throughout space and time. So not just with the church who says the creed around the world today, but the Reformers or you know even Roman Catholics a thousand years ago who said these creeds, and we're affirming the same faith that they affirmed. And so that creates a sense of the, the uh, communion of the saints. Mm-hmm. Uh, Kyle, if I'm not mistaken, you are preaching a creed this coming week at People of Morris Hill Church. That's right. And we're doing um, Philippians 2, and we're going to start at verse 5 and go to 11. And a lot of people think that that was a very early creedal formation for the early church. And so, I mean, if we're right in that speculation in Philippians 2, we have who, speaking of Christ, who being in the very nature God did not consider equality with God a thing to be grasped. There's a lot of theological content mm-hmm. packed in that one statement about the mm-hmm. person of Christ and what his nature consists of and his relationship to the Father. Uh, is that helpful or harmful? You know, uh, <laughs> right. Well, should I, be helpful. <laughs> I mean, I think there's a bit of naivete there that to say that creeds are harmful, again, goes back to the point that they're unavoidable, mm-hmm. right? So if they're unavoidable and they're harmful, then you're sort of committed yeah. no matter what to harm. Um, so, I, I, I mean... The suggestion that they're harmful seems to be a bit uninformed. Yeah. And, and you know, I, I think I, I can't help but I'll come to the, their side for a moment. I can't help but think that maybe uh, some of the traditions that see these confessions and creeds as harmful, uh, with that distinction, both of them, because you I, I, there are individuals that believe that any kind of theological formulation is incorrect, right, is, is harmful. They're coming from an era, uh, I think, in this country at least, of when uh, theology just ran rampant, right? There was no more uh, ecclesiastical inst- structure, right? People didn't have to go to seminary anymore. They weren't trained in theology. It was sort of go into the woods, have a theophany, come out, grab a Bible, and start to preach. And and so uh, it, maybe maybe on their defense, it's, a, it's, it's protecting them against what they saw was theological persecution just a few hundred years ago. Um, that that so divided even the colonies in this country. You know, you couldn't. You you were Episcopalian in Virginia, 
Uh, you were congregational in Rhode Island, I believe, and, and that's where you lived. And, and what divided us at that time were creeds and confessions from that perspective. So if we just get rid of them all, then maybe we can come under one theological banner, and that just be no creed but Christ and, and the Bible, and that's it. Yeah, the old doctrine divides. Mm-hmm. I'll, I'll, I'll take that. With a charitable listening, assuming that there's no people are not making distinction between creeds and confessions, they're just assuming uh, some sort of doctrinal formation uh, formulation is helpful or harmful. Well, even at this table, we have different denominations represented, and there are distinctive doctrinal issues that in some senses separate us. Mm-hmm. So maybe for some, when they're saying they're unsure or, yes, they agree that they are harmful, they're thinking it's these theological formulations in specific issues that are creating divisions mm-hmm. and diversity. Right. Unneeded diversity, I guess, mm-hmm. as far as denominational diversity in the body of Christ. And so they're seeing that maybe as a negative thing, seeing as the body of Christ split mm-hmm. because of this. Uh, and to that, I would just say that uh, I think it's more beautiful when there's unity in diversity, when there are differences in doctrinal opinions on secondary and tertiary things, not the primary things right. that unite us. Uh, the the creedal differences uh, are, are there's no differences for us as far as creedally the things about God that we can all agree on. And confessionally, there are some distinctions between us, uh, and when we can start to see denominations and creedal distinctions, or I should say confessional distinctions, as a means to honor and protect each other's consciences before the Lord, it's seen as a charitable thing. Right. That's right. Yeah. Yeah. I was going to mention tagging on that that sometimes to help people walk through the differences between the essentials and maybe the, the non-essentials. Um, I'll talk about three tiers of doctrine. Tier one would be you know, things that are the essence of the Christian faith. If you don't believe this, then you are defined as outside the broad veil of orthodoxy, the Trinity, the bodily resurrection mm-hmm. of Jesus, things like that. And then second tier sorts of things would be matters of polity. So you guys don't baptize infants. I do. It would be very difficult for us to work on the same church staff. Mm-hmm. Um, and and so we can still podcast together and do different kinds of mission <laughs> kinds of things, but it would be difficult to you know serve in the same. Uh, as At least family hours. dedication Sunday would be awkward. Yeah, mm. so it'd be tough. <laughs> and then on the third tier, and this is the least kind of significant thing, would be matters um, where you can be a part of the same church. You could even serve on the same staff um, and disagree charitably. And I put things like um, eschatology, certain, you know, Christ will return. We need to agree on that. But millennium kinds of theologies, even the rapture. Sure. Um, and could, it gets could, even more, uh, I guess, pedantic than that. Yeah. Uh, what's proper attire for a Sunday worship? Yeah, uh, right. What style of music should we have? Right. What ought the preacher to wear? Uh, you you both, I'm pointing to Matt and Kyle, will preach this Sunday morning and will have different attire mm-hmm. for your congregations that your congregations deem appropriate. I'll, wear, I'll preach this Sunday morning and have different attire within two hours. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> right, right. Yeah, you know what? I, I thought I, I really liked the last guy when he says that these were uh, erected so that we wouldn't repeat the mistakes of the past. Mm-hmm. That was really That's helpful. That was yeah. really helpful. Yeah. Do you agree, disagree, or are unsure with the following statement? I believe that the Apostles' Creed accurately describes the central tenets of the historic Christian faith. Yeah, true. Agree. I do. Agree. 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 I believe that the Apostles' Creed accurately describes the central tenets of the historic Christian faith. I agree. Agree. Absolutely. Yes, I disagree. Or I agree with that. That's true. Yeah. Agree. Yes, definitely. 
So 83% of those polled on whether they agreed that the Apostles' Creed accurately describes the central tenets of the historic Christian faith agreed. 11% were unsure, and uh, uh, 6% actually disagreed. They did not believe that uh, the Apostles' Creed accurately described it. Uh, those individuals that disagreed, I, I didn't probe into uh, why they didn't uh, agree with it. We might hear in the next two questions um, when we start to get into, uh, you know, descending into hell. Maybe that's why. But uh, thoughts on that? I mean, for even 6% of folks at the Evangelical Theological Society to disagree with the Apostles' Creed, uh, reflecting historic Christianity um, was interesting to me. Yeah, we've talked on subsequent episodes that the Apostles' Creed says nothing of justification, says nothing of you know forgiveness of sins or glorification. Right. So there could be some central things mm-hmm. that they say are not covered, and therefore it doesn't accurately describe yeah, okay. the central. Yeah. yeah, may not be that they think the things in it are not accurate or not central. It just doesn't go far enough. It just enough. doesn't say enough. It, yeah. it doesn't spell out, to me, far enough distinctions of persons in the Trinity. I mean, I, off the top of my head, proponents of Apollinarianism, modalistic and dynamic monarchianism, Nestorianism, uh, Eutychianism, monophysitism could all agree to the tenets of the Apostles' Creed. Mm. Right. Mm-hmm. I mean, I've even I've heard the point made before that... Uh, a Roman Catholic could sign the ETS statement of faith, right, on the Trinity and inerrancy, mm-hmm, right, mm-hmm. and um, and so uh, which is dissatisfying to a lot of ETS yeah. folks uh, because they don't think you can be Catholic and evangelical, so you need to define it so those folks can't be a part of it. So there may be a thing among evangelicals that anything that puts us sort of on level playing field with Rome or or uh, Eastern Orthodoxy, yeah, that's right, it's automatically insufficient. Mm. I guess I would go further, and it's not Rome, you know. <laughs> I'm not like Calvin. I don't have this fear of popery. <laughs> uh, <laughs> but it, it is dissatisfying to know that a universalist and I are both agreeing on this. A deist and I could agree on this. Mm-hmm. And we're saying, yes, we share the same faith, the faith of the apostles. And that's hard for me. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It, it doesn't go far enough. So I would be of the persuasion that I'm not sure how I would answer this. So one guy, um, two questions ago, I think it was, he said our church holds to the Apostles' Creed and yeah, the, the Nicene, Nicene Creed. Creed. Yeah. And, the Nicene and, certainly goes further. Right. It goes it, that, that satisfies the, the question of, no, a deist could not. I don't think a deist could. A, a deist could not sign off on the Nicene Creed. Light, true right. God from true God. Right. Yeah. It's right. hard right. to get into a deist framework. Or the Athanasian Creed, right? A Sabellian yeah. is not going to be, a modalist is not going to be able to sign off on yeah. the Athanasian Creed, whereas they sure. may be able to do the, the Apostles' Creed. To, Maybe yeah. with their fingers crossed behind their back. <laughs> right. You know, I thought it was an interesting question, too. Theological creeds are more harmful than helpful for the local church. And this last question, um, or the, the question we just discussed uh, about the Apostles' Creed accurately describing the historic Christian faith, were almost, were they, no, they were identical. 83% believed that theological creeds were helpful for the local church. And then 83% believed that the Apostles' Creed uh, reflected the historic Christian faith. Do you think there's a tie there? I mean, so it's tough because I would say I agree with that. It does reflect accurately the central ten- to central tenets of the historic Christian faith. Mm-hmm. To me, it's not enough to satisfy what it means to be sure. orthodox right. or what you know orthodoxy as understood by the patristic fathers. You know, so eighty three percent of people believe 
or they would sign off, let's say, on the Apostles' Creed, 83%, the vast majority. The next question is uh, interesting with that little bit of uh, information in mind. Could you recite the Apostles' Creed from heart? Absolutely not. Maybe. (laughs) (laughs) I think so. Not the entirety. No. Could you recite that creed from heart? Probably not. (laughs) Not on on, on tape. (laughs) Uh, Unfortunately, no. I couldn't. No. um, You know, I think the best I can do is there's that Rich Mullins song, and I can start going along that, doing that. Uh, Pretty close. Yeah, yeah, (laughs) Yeah, yeah. No, I can't. But if I see it, I will know it. No. No. <laughs> nope. <laughs> uh, me neither. That's okay. okay. <laughs> so I wasn't lying <clears throat> when I told her I, I can't either. Um, 91% of those, and that includes me too, could not recite the Apostles' Creed from heart, even though 83% of those polled believes it's not only important, but it accurately describes the historic Christian faith. What's funny is the the 9% that said yes, I asked them, okay, well, you know, do it. what's your background? And then, well, I, I was tempted to <laughs> say do it, right? right? I asked them what their background was. All four of them were either church history or historical theology. <laughs> so it wasn't something that they learned in church or catechism. It was part of their studies, That's right? remarkable. Yeah. Could the you do it? The is helpful. I can do it, yeah. Can you do it? No, I can't. I, I already confessed yeah. I can't. Oh, yeah, part of the, yeah, yeah. The creed is helpful. The creed is central. The creed is accurate. I have no idea what it says. <laughs> yeah, that's good. Yeah. Is that fair? Like, I mean, yeah. I, I think you could ask the same question. You know, what, what was your question on three? Uh, do you believe, you could say, does the book of Philippians accurately describe the central tenet of historic Christian faith? You get 100% yes. Yeah. And, yeah. Can you recite could it from memory? Nah. <laughs> one of the, uh, one thing I'll do sometimes on Sunday mornings, if there are uh, first-time worshipers, I'll watch them when we say the creed. And if they're not looking at the bulletin, I'll know they have a church background. Oh, yeah. And so um, it may affect the questions I ask when when um, I go and introduce myself after the service. Mm-hmm. Uh, if they do look at it, you know, one way or the other, you don't know. But but if someone can stand walk in the first day and recite the creed by heart, you can guess they've probably done that before. Yeah, right. My, wa- my wife will be embarrassed if I share the story, but she doesn't listen, so I can share it. Um, <laughs> she did a mission trip in Mexico, uh, would have been like eight years ago. And she went for three months to work in a deaf orphanage. And she called, she called me one night and uh, while we were engaged, and she just said, oh, we were having a worship service, and all of a sudden, everyone just stopped and started reciting the same thing all in unison. And I stopped, and I took a step back. And, I mean, she's, she grew up in a small Baptist church in the country. And, uh, and I said, well, what, were they, what were they saying? She started kind of spitting back some of the lines. I said, they were signing the Apostles' Creed. She's like, what is that? <laughs> so, so, the trick funny. is, can you say it in Latin and Greek? Uh, I can't. I, can't. I know. I'm out. I can't say it in English. I, I liked what one of the guys said, though. Um, no, but I'd recognize it if I saw it. Yeah. Right. I, it, it's, I, I think, you know, and I'm out so, there. I can't recite it. It's important. I think it's something I'm going to memorize, having been convicted by this home, this yeah. poll that I did right. But um, there's enough exposure to the Apostles' Creed, at least for that individual, and I feel the same way, to recognize it. that's genuine and that that's not. Well, we hope you've enjoyed this special episode and that it gave you something maybe to think and to talk about with family and friends uh, as you gather during this holiday season. 
Speaking of, we here at So It Podcast are beginning to wind things down for a short break. Don't worry. We'll have brand new episodes out the second Monday of January, where we'll continue the discussion on the Apostles' Creed. And as we near the end of that series, we'd like your help in deciding the topic for the next series. So let us know a subject that you would enjoy listening to or would like to learn more about. What would you find most interesting and beneficial to you? You can let us know by emailing hello at sowhatpodcast.com or by tweeting it at us at sowhat underscore podcast. Well, we hope you have a very Merry Christmas and see you next year. The So Up Podcast is a production of the people of Mars Hill. For more information, visit POMH.org.